From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. This is your news for Monday, March 7th. Many popular outdoors communities in the West are facing a housing crisis. Soaring prices and a limited housing stock can make finding a place to call home difficult. But as KOTO's Julia Caulfield reports, this winter, the town of Telluride, Colorado, is trying something new to find homes for locals. In summer, Telluride's town park is home to music festivals, softball games, lazy days in the sun. Winter brings a sledding hill, Nordic skiing, and this year, housing. All right, so we're in um, the town park parking lot. This is my bus. I call it Just Some Bus. That's Simon Perkovich. This winter, he's living in his bus in Town Park's parking lot, although he sees his bus as much more than a home. It has a deck that folds down to be a like a, a performing platform. It's painted with chalkboard paint, so you can draw on any surface of it. It's uh, meant to be like a kind of perfect COVID mobile. Like you could um, drive it to a cul-de-sac and set up a show and, um, you know, do theater while we can't gather indoors. Perkovich is living in Town Park as part of a pilot program to provide RV housing for the winter. The town of Telluride is providing nine parking spaces for residents to live in their trailer, mobile home, RV, or vehicle. Telluride Town Council member Dan Enright helped push the program forward. He first heard the idea before he was on council and a member of the Planning and Zoning Commission. This was the one that really uh, caught my attention and felt Uh, the most immediately accessible, the most uh, available to be able to uh, bring housing this season. Enright notes the town of Telluride has other housing projects in the works, but those are months, if not years, down the road. Telluride Town Council approved the program for this winter last fall, with tenants moving in mid-November. This winter, the program is housing 12 individuals, paying $300 per month in rent. Walk inside, and just some bus is a modest affair. So it's pretty simple in here. I built most of it. Uh, It's pretty much just a bed and some storage boxes, some shelving. Um, The town park gives us uh, electrical outlets, so I've got two heaters running. That's how it keeps warm in the winter. Um, You know, this close to the San Miguel and the Bear Creek. And yeah, uh, you know, uh, simple stuff. It's just uh, has insulation and paneling, Um, wood floors, nothing too fancy. Perkovich uses a camping stove for cooking, although working at a restaurant also provides a lot of his meals. He uses sinks provided by the town to wash up. So far, Perkovich says the situation has been great. It has been awesome. Um, it's the best form of employee housing I could think of. Um, as far as like affordability, uh, through like, like after one month of working here, I saved up enough to pay off my whole season here that I I've net, that's something I would never have dreamed of in Telluride. Perkovich was born and raised in Telluride. He bought his bus at the beginning of COVID, built it out and drove it to Pittsburgh where he was finishing university. He graduated and home was calling. It's kind of linked to the Lord of the Rings. I say that hobbits always return to the Shire. I see it happen to all my friends. We all went to Boulder and we all come back. He says the housing in Town Park hit at just the right moment. I was figuring I would um, park this back in Norwood and kind of 
do a little half Telluride, half Norwood gig. But um, I, when I graduated, it just so happened that Telluride was doing the acceptance of uh, RVs in Town Park. And I thought, since I've been living in an RV, I really should capitalize on that. Both Enright and Perkovich acknowledge allowing RVs or buses to stay in Town Park isn't the silver bullet to housing in the community. They add, in essence, it's legalizing what some are already doing. It's a good stab at community housing, at employee housing. Um, I do know a lot of friends who are interested in this kind of thing and have, you know, um, even have rigs, but uh, reserve it for camping and other such stuff because it's kind of somewhat illegal to sleep in a car. Enright adds it's a sign of the time for the region. It speaks to the the, the needs of our community that we'd, we'd even consider something so uh, outside the norm uh, to address our, our housing crisis. Come April, the individuals living in Town Park will be headed down the road in search of the next housing opportunity. The housing crisis will not disappear. But for the moment, snuggled up against the San Miguel River, a line of RVs, buses, and vans called Town Park home. For KOTL Radio, I'm Julia Caulfield. This story comes from our partners at KOTO in Telluride, Colorado. We often only hear about drought in the summertime, but the winter is a critical window for water in the West. Snow falling high in the Rocky Mountains builds up through the colder months, acting like a natural reservoir for the 40 million people who rely on the Colorado River. And as KUNC's Alex Hager reports, the way we understand snow totals is changing. Tony Wagner is at home on the ski slopes. That's where I met him. It's a beautiful day in Aspen, Colorado. We're on the top of Aspen Mountain, 11,212 feet. He's been skiing this mountain for more than 70 years. Blue sky, bluebird day, the kind of everybody talks about. Temperatures probably in the low teens. The snow is hard and fast. I mean, it's perfect. This mountain and this town depend on snow to keep the ski resort running. Wagner keeps an eye on snow up here and on the ranch he owns down in the valley. He remembers one dry year in the 70s when the hay fields were snowless by March. I hate to say, but many marches after that, the hay fields have been bare. So anecdotally, you could say, yeah, there's probably a little less snow. Or maybe it's warmer. I, you know, I don't know, not being a scientist, but it's, it's noticeable. The amount of snow falling on Wagner's hayfields and at high elevations all throughout the Rockies, it's been gradually going down over the decades. The snowmelt that recharges the Colorado River and supplies cities and farms across a huge expanse of the western U.S., it's getting less reliable. If you look at long-term climate trends, you see a general warming in climate, which um, doesn't necessarily change the amount of precipitation in headwaters areas, but changes how it falls. Heather Lewin is the science and policy director at the Roaring Fork Conservancy, a river education group just downstream of Aspen. So we're seeing more precipitation as rain rather than as snow. So that means instead of having a savings account, uh, we have a spending account that hits the, hits the river and moves quickly versus a savings account that kind of gives us a long-term security. And this year, something changed in the way we look at snow data. The National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, or NOAA, shifted how it calculates averages for all of its data. Temperature, precipitation, and of course, snowpack. 
every 10 years, NOAA moves the three-decade window that it uses for averages. So if you see that current snowpack data is 120% of average, the context right now is that, well, uh, that 120% of average might give us an uh, inflated sense of confidence as to how much water we're going to see this summer and how much snow we're really looking at up high right now. The current window goes back to 1991, but if we were using longer-term historical comparison, those averages, which are shared widely in newspaper stories and reports for skiers and river users, they might give people a better understanding of how the climate is reshaping our winters. Just ask the folks who measure the snow, like Stephen Jowan with the Natural Resources Conservation Service. Earlier on, when I first started 15 years ago, you know, we'd actually measure some snow in, in the last, uh, you know, in the April-May survey. And a lot of times now we just walk in and there's no snow. Getting good data requires a little bit of tracking. First, it's a drive about two hours from that mountain in Aspen, way out of cell range. Then you strap on the backcountry skis. And deep in the woods, Jowan and a technician trek along a line of nine points. At each stop, he announces the number of the measurement site and plunges a long aluminum tube into the snow. So seven. Seven. Now the tube is holding a core of the fluffy stuff. It's measured and weighed, and the findings are jotted down in a little notebook. 24.5. 24.5. If it sounds old school, that's because it is. There are higher tech stations that have been running since the 70s and 80s, but surveys exactly like this one paint a picture of snow records going back almost a century. Again, Heather Lewin. You need to look at the context that you're, that you're reading or listening to it in, um, because often there, there's a bigger picture. Um, the data all tells a story, and it just depends on um, the context that we're reading it in. That bigger picture is one of gradual, long-term change for the Colorado River's main source of water. And a better understanding of how the snow is changing means a better understanding of the future for a river that's a lifeline for tens of millions of people. In Aspen, Colorado, I'm Alex Hager. This story is part of ongoing coverage of the Colorado River, produced by partner station KUNC and supported by the Walton Family Foundation. And that's the KZMU News for Monday, March 7th. Get your community-powered journalism Monday through Friday at noon and 7. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.